What's up, Boom Team? Welcome back to the podcast, episode 11. I hope you're having a great day, night, morning, whenever you're listening to this. I hope you're having a good one. Um, this is going to be a fun episode because the NFL draft was recent, recently happening, and uh, I wanted to do my winners and losers of the NFL draft, um, which teams I think are going to improve the most and which teams I think didn't draft well and are probably going to be on the decline because of that. Um, we're going to start with the winners, and then we'll get to the losers later on. But uh, my first team uh, for the winners is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Bengals last season were 2-14, and 14, and they averaged about 17 points per game. Um, after this draft, and I'll get into um, each player that I think were significant for the Bengals, but after this draft, I, um, I could see the Bengals' points per game averaging uh, increasing to about 21 points per game and uh, their record increasing to about five or six wins. I think, um, you know, with their, their big star um, uh, draft pick, and the number one pick of the whole draft, which was completely, you know, everybody knew this guy was going to be the first one, was uh, Joe Burrows. Um, he was the basically like the college MVP. He won the Heisman. He won the National Trophy in his recent and senior season um, at LSU. Uh, he transferred from LSU or he transferred to LSU from Ohio State because he uh, just wasn't getting the playing time, um, as I recall. And uh, Joe Burrows is obviously a great move for him because he had an unbelievable season um, in 2019. Joe Burrows had uh, 5,669 yards, which is unbelievable. 60 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, and he played 15 games. And LSU went undefeated, and once again, I said, um, went on to win the national championship. They were absolutely star-studded, and they just did amazing. Um, Burroughs is, I think he could be uh, the the real turning point for the Bengals. And, you know, it's always hard to kind of hop on the train for the number one pick um, in the draft. But, but Burroughs just has that, that swagger. He's got the, the confidence um, just by watching him, you know, just hang out and just kind of talk, listen to him talk. He just kind of got that calmness about him, which, you know, I think, um, I just, I, I don't know. I got a really good feeling about Gerald Burroughs. Um, I think he, you know, has the ability to take over an offense. And I think he has the ability to take over a game. Uh, there are people out there who don't think Burroughs would do that well in the NFL, um, mainly based off of how star-studded the team for LSU was last year. They had a great offense, great receivers, they had an incredible defense, but, you know, you could you could make the argument that you know he had a great team around him, but if you look at the numbers that the LSU put up or LSU team put up, um, not only in offense but on defense as well, you know you can just tell that um, with Jer- Burrow's stat line as it is, it's not like he you know had less than four thousand yards, you know only like thirty touchdowns and you know double digit pick uh, interceptions. He had he had, you know, just great decision making. He had an awesome pocket presence. He had great throwing ability, and you know, Burroughs was a key part for that team. I don't know if they would have been able to win the whole national championship without Burroughs. He was just that good. So um, I don't think that the argument that he had a star-studded team is a great argument because he was, you know, one of the key stars on that team. Um, and I'm not sure they would have gone anywhere without him. Um, but one of the other players that uh, the Bengals drafted, it was a wide receiver, T. Higgins from Clemson. Uh, T. Higgins it didn't blow up uh, the college uh, wide receiver position last year. He did a, he did a great job, though. Uh, Clemson being a great offensive team as they were. Um, T. Higgins throughout the season had 59 receptions, 1,200 yards, and 14 touchdowns in 15 games, which is a pretty solid stat line. You know, in college, um, there are a lot of a lot of players, obviously, but it's not like the NFL where you get you know one or two 
you know, solid wide receivers, and then you got your supporting cast. In college, you can have a lot of wide receivers who turn into stars in the NFL, um, all in the same team, and that could be the uh, like the situation for Clemson. But T. Higgins, I think, was a great pick for um, the Bengals, and the Bengals, obviously, you know, they they have a. I think personally, they have a pretty decent offense. Um, it's a young offense. Maybe a couple players are uh, are a little bit older, but you know, when it goes to down to it, you know, when you have your your skills position filled out, um, they have some young players in there because not only with Burrows and um being the young quarterback, but T. Higgins is also joining Tyler Boyd and John Ross. John Ross and Tyler Boyd are both going into their third and fourth years in the NFL. Um, Tyler Boyd's a solid wide receiver, and John Ross has the fastest 40 time. He's an absolute speedster. And if the Bengals can get A.J. Green healthy, and if they can keep him this offseason, um, then that'll just be a wide receiver crew that would be very deadly, um, especially if Burroughs can, you know, stay back in the pocket and, you know, just get comfortable back there. Um, I think I think they'll be a pretty solid offense. In their run game, you know, Joe Mixon and uh, Giovanni Bernard um, are always just solid running backs. They're always a problem for the other teams. So I think the Bengals definitely will improve next year. I don't think they're going to be going to win the division because they do have a tough one. Or not necessarily a tough one, but they have one of the best teams in the NFL um, winning their division uh, in the Ravens. But I think the Bengals are definitely going to improve, um, especially after the draft. Um, our next team is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. I'm a little bit uh, biased on this one, but I, the Cowboys, um, even if you aren't biased, did have one of the best drafts uh, this past season, or not this past season, this past week. Um, the Cowboys were eight and eight last season. They averaged about 27 points per game, which is pretty solid for an eight and eight team. It, it was a uh, a lot of their losses, you know, just from watching them, um, were they were close losses. You know, they didn't get blown out a ton. Um, but I think their points per game are going to increase to 30. Um, and I think their wins, I think if they can get it all together, if they get this whole Dak Prescott situation figured out and their defense figured out, um, I think they could increase to about 11 wins, which is a significant amount. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, the Cowboys had what was considering probably the best drafts, as I said, um, finding CeeDee Lamb in the first round and then uh, Trayvon Diggs in the second round just to start. And I felt like those were the two big uh, picks that they had. Um, the Cowboys already had an impressive offense on paper, um, even though their wins don't show it uh, on paper. When you look at it, their stat line, they had a very solid offense. And Lamb being available at number 17 at that point in the draft um, was just they too much talent to pass up for them. Uh, and CeeDee Lamb finished his junior year of college with 62 receptions, 1,300 yards, and 14 touchdowns. And he was just one of the more dominant wide receivers in uh, the college uh, spectrum. He was just you had you couldn't let C D Lamb, you know, be just one on one all the time. I mean, even when uh, Oklahoma was getting absolutely blown out by LSU in the playoffs, um not the not the playoffs, but uh, it was a bowl game, but I don't really I just call it the playoffs. Um Lam C D Lamb had an insane catch for like fifty yards where he I think he beat two two uh two DBs down the field and he just had an unbelievable catch and he's had he had an unbelievable season. He uh he just got the talent, and I think if you put him next to Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, um, I think the Cowboys just have a solid offense, and uh, he's just a young replacement for uh, Randall Cobb, which is nice. Um, and Trayvon Diggs, uh, he finished his college season with uh, three interceptions, uh, 20 solo tackles, and 37 total tackles, and one touchdown, uh, obviously on a turnover. And he's just a young add-on to, uh, once again, a young Cowboys uh, uh, defensive back core. 
And, you know, if they can really get that figured out with Diggs, he's just, he's athletic. He's, his, his brother, Stefan Diggs, is obviously athletic, and he's a great player as well, and it seems to run in the family. So if he could get it together, I think the Cowboys could definitely uh, see a massive increase next year. Um, the next team is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. I always want to say Oakland Raiders, but it's it's Las Vegas now. i got to get that down. Um, last season, the Raiders went 7-9. and nine. Uh, they had 19 points per game, and I think they are going to increase to 21 points per game, and they're probably going to have a small increase to about eight or nine wins. Um, they they added on some some uh, veteran players, uh, but I don't think they're going to have that big an impact. Um, they signed Jason Witten and Nelson Aguilar, and with Waller already being on the Raiders, I mean, Waller was just one of the better tight ends last season, so um, I'm not sure if they'll start Jason Witten over him. They might. They might do, you know, a two tight end set, but um, I thought it was an interesting add-on, but Jason Witten's also just one of the better NFL uh, veterans playing right now, so, you know, it'd be kind of silly not to add him on. And the Raiders, I don't think, are going to be, you know, you know, putting, like, throwing a Super Bowl away if they just signed an older J- Jason Witten. Um, and Nelson Aguilar, he, he, it's weird, man. He, in Philadelphia, it was like he had butterfingers, you know, he just couldn't catch anything. But, you know, some players, I've said it before, they find new life in different places. So they might, they might find, he might find new life in, uh, in Las Vegas. And with their first four picks in the draft, um, the Raiders drafted three receivers, which I thought was interesting. Um, but they were definitely some solid receivers. Um, the headline was, uh, Henry Ruggs. Uh, Ruggs had 40 receptions last season, or his last season of college. He had 746 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, he was kind of the number two um, at Alabama, uh, right behind Jerry Judy, who was one, just one of the best receivers in college last year. The Alabama always has a solid offense, um, but these two players were very good. And, you know, Henry Ruggs obviously didn't break 1,000 yards. He didn't have double-digit touchdowns, but, you know, when you have – you know, when you have to share the spotlight with somebody like Jerry Judy, who was also a first-round pick, um, it's going to be difficult to put up a super insane stat line. But, you know, NFL teams are going to be able to look past that, like the Raiders, and, you know, just see the talent. Um, the second receiver that they had was uh, Lynn Bowden Jr. Um, he was a two-way player. His uh, his stat line was kind of odd, but it said that he had 13 rushing touchdowns and 1,468 uh, yards. And in receiving, he had one touchdown for 348 yards, but he's listed as a wide receiver, so I'm, they're probably going to convert him. Uh, two-way players are kind of weird when they, when they list him down, um, especially because it's difficult not to follow when you're watching college football and you're trying to follow all of it. You can't, you know, keep a certain eye on every single player. It's not as, you know, mauled down as the NFL is, but... Um, he's definitely he's versatile. Just you can tell by his stat line, and he'll be a good add-on to the uh, to the young wide receiver core for the Raiders. And I think that's a big thing for the Raiders is that Derek Carr is obviously not you know insanely good, but you know when he had um, Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper, you know Amari Cooper was very young at the time, and Michael Crabtree was a veteran receiver. You know if you can give him that, if you can give him the weapons, he can do you know he can probably be slinging it again. So we'll see, but. The uh, the last uh, wide receiver that they added in these uh, top four was uh, Brian Edwards from South Carolina. Um, last se- his last season of college, he had 71 receptions for 816 yards and six touchdowns. It was similar to um, to Jerry Judy's stat line. He was obviously at a smaller school, but um, he uh, he was just a solid wide receiver. He's very athletic, so. Um, it's just going to add on to what's already a young and talented offense. I feel with uh, Josh Jacobs being not offensive rookie of the year, but I, I personally think he should have been. I think he had a much bigger impact in uh, in Las Vegas for the Raiders than Kyler Murray did in Arizona, but they were both solid players. So, 
Um, and Darren Waller just being a great tight end. He's very athletic. And Hunter Renfro not blowing up the wide receiver scene in the NFL, but he was just a young and talented player for the uh, for the Raiders. And I think he could, if he sticks around, he could kind of have like a Cole Beasley kind of Danny Amendola kind of a situation for the Raiders, just like a young uh, slot receiver. And uh, the the young players, I think, could really help Derek, Derek Carr find his uh, his stride again because it's really fun to watch Derek Carr play when uh, when he's got it going on. Um, and the last team for the winners is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, last season they went uh, seven and nine, averaging twenty eight points per game. Um, I think the points per game will be uh, pretty much the same, maybe increase to thirty, but um, I think it'll be pretty pretty much the same. That's pretty high points per game. Um, and I think their wins are going to increase to about 12 to 13. Um, with the, you know, if you're talking about winning at some point in the offseason, whether it's the draft or just winning the offseason in general, you can't go without talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, the the age of the players that they, that some of them, or some of the players that they signed, um, yeah, Tom Brady's 42, but he's still the greatest of all time, um, argue, arguably. But, um, yeah, you just can't go on without talking about the Bucs if you're talking about winning um, – the offseason, uh, the Bucks already have the best offseason this year, as I said, but their two big takeaways from this year's draft were uh, tackle Tristan Wirfs, I think I said that right, um, from Iowa, and Vanderbilt running back uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. That's very That rhymes very well. <laughs> uh, Wirfs is a 6'5", 322-tackle, which is enormous, um, who's going to add on already to a, a powerful offensive line, especially for passing, which... You know, if you can give Tom Brady time in the pocket, you're looking at a bad time. Um, so he's going to be a great add-on for the Buccaneers on that offensive line. Um, it's just going to give Brady more time. And like I said, he's enormous. And um, Vaughn, uh, he just finished his time at Vanderbilt with um, 1,000 yards this past season. Um, 1,028 yards to be exact. Nine touchdowns on 198 attempts. And Tampa Bay recently, I feel they've uh, they've struggled to find a solid running back um, these past years. Um, you know, other than Doug Martin, who you know obviously didn't stick around and be their you know their number one. But I feel like teams, <clears throat> excuse me, if they're gonna be good um, and go far, you need to have that solid running back. You know, that one that's really established himself in the position that's able to come back every year. And I don't think Tampa Bay's found that uh, recently. I think, like I said, the in recent memory, the only one I can think of is um, Doug Martin when he was doing well. Uh, I think it was two or three years ago. But um, could Vaughn be the, the solution to that? Uh, he could be. I'm not, you know, we'll fit, we'll find out. Uh, I don't know. But the rate or the Buccaneers definitely just all around have had an insane off season. Um, I know some of the other things you might read might not choose the, the Bengals or the Raiders, you know, just because the Bengals are the number one pick, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, we're not going to put them up just because we don't know how Joe Burrows is going to do. Well, you don't know how anybody's going to do, but I think Burrows definitely has, um, has the, like the mantra and just kind of the attitude to do it. So you just got to do it on the field now. And the Raiders, um, aren't going to like these teams, like I said, they're not going to blow up the, the seat, like the the scene next year. I think the two teams in this list that could do that in the position are uh, the Bu- the Bucks and the Cowboys. Um, but, you know, the Bengals and the Raiders, I think they're going to significantly improve, which is what I was really focused on making this list. Um, we're going to take a little break, and when I come back, we're going to be talking about the draft losers. 
and welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Um, we're going to be going into the draft losers, and I only got about three teams for this one. There could have been some more, but uh, I felt like these three teams were the ones that lost the most. And, you know, honestly, with the draft, there's not a whole teams that really lose. I mean, there was one clear loser this year, but um, I just grabbed a couple because some of them, uh, two of these teams maybe filled in some spots that they really um, didn't need to, and they probably could have filled in some uh, some different areas. And that actually segues perfectly right into um, – our first team, which is the New England Patriots, which it kind of sounds weird, um, especially now or nowadays with um, talking about the Patriots losing, um, because you know they've just been such an insanely great team these uh, past two decades. But uh, last season the Patriots went twelve and four, and um, I chose them to actually decrease to below ten wins. I think they're going to either go with eight or nine wins next season. Um, they averaged about twenty six points per game but I think it's going to decrease down to 20 points per game that might change though and I'll and I'll get to why I think that might change um a little later but uh the Patriots chose three defensive players in their first three picks of the draft which is kind of interesting considering you know the the huge loss they took at quarterback this year and uh Sonny Michelle didn't do as great as um as he did his rookie season and just didn't seem like he had much of an impact. The stats were there, but they just didn't seem like he had much of an impact. Um, but it was also kind of weird because the defense wasn't their big issue last year. They lost a quite, a, they lost, I think like two or three key players on their defense, but you know, they still had just a solid defense all around. Uh, Kyle Duggar was their first pick. Uh, they fin- he finished college with 237 total tackles, which includes assists, um, and he had 10 interceptions and six forced fumbles, which is a solid uh, a solid stat line for the Patriots. It, um, he's also a good defensive back, um, just by a stat line. You know, 10 interceptions in four years isn't terrible, um, and the Patriots have a very good um, very good track record as to getting defensive backs that are just solid players you know you don't need to have some huge name back there but you know 10 interceptions in four years and six forced fumbles I'm sure they were looking at that for the defensive back and uh just noticed that that was that was pretty impressive um next up they had uh Justin Uch I think it's how it's pronounced um in his career at Michigan he had 38 solo tackles and 19 and a half uh tackles for a loss with uh three forced fumbles that 19 and a half tackles for a loss is probably is huge you know for your teams especially um for a team like Michigan you're not going to be playing all four years probably or at least not starting um and having a significant role but um in his junior and senior year um his stat line obviously jumped just like most players do, but um, 19 and a half tackles or 19 and a half uh, tackles for a loss um, in the career is pretty solid. Um, and that's, you know, probably a big reason as to why they took him. Um, their third defensive player, um, Afrini Jennings, I think that's how you say it. I kind of st- stuttered there for a second uh, just before I was trying to pronounce his name. I think it's a Afrini Jennings, I think. Um, he had a solid defensive year at or career at Alabama, um, which is fairly impressive with finishing with 98 solo tackles and 33 and a half for a loss, uh, two interceptions and three forced fumbles. Um, he's, you know, that at, on a school like Alabama who has just a great offense and defense, you know, on both sides are just absolutely electric. Um, to have, you know, that stat line is pretty impressive. You know, 33 and a half for a loss is very good, and uh, even two interceptions is just it's a solid it's a solid stat line, and I think that you know even though they did take defensive players which they might not have needed you know they chose some you know when you look at the stats they chose some pretty decent players, um, 
And it's just, it was really interesting to me, though, to, to see this because, you know, they don't suffer on defense. Um, and it's just, the, I'm sure these three players um, in specific will, you know, turn into some decent defensive players. But it just, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense as to why they wouldn't draft um, like a quarterback. But I'll, I'll get into that in a minute because I have an idea um, about that. But um, our next team is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles were, I was, I was hesitant about putting them in this one, but I didn't really have a lot of teams that I felt lost. Um but I felt like the Eagles made a, made some interesting uh, decisions. So the Eagles went nine and seven last year. I think they're going to go probably the same. Maybe uh, have ten wins, but um, and they're about twenty four points per game, which I think that's probably going to stay the same. Maybe drop like down to twenty two, twenty three, but um, not drastically drop. Um, the Eagles took a wide receiver in the first round, which made sense because um, they they were weak in that area, even though they have. Um, uh, Nelson Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey, but um, Aguilar obviously left, and Alshon Jeffrey um, really just he's been okay. He hasn't been you know insane for the for the Eagles, um, but they took a wide receiver in the first round, which was fine. But it wasn't Justin Jefferson, which everybody thought that it was going to be because you know he was one of the great players for LSU. He even caught I believe it was uh, it was four touchdowns in the national championship game, or not the national championship game, uh, the game against uh, Oklahoma. And uh, it was just, you know, he was a great player for LSU. He's one of their top top receivers. And it was really interesting that they didn't take him because um, he was still on the board. Um, but it was Jalen Rager, Rager, I think it's how you pronounce it, from TCU. Um, Rager's stats were 148 receptions for 2,248 yards and 22 touchdowns. So it's not a bad stat line at all. It is at a smaller school, or not a smaller school, but um, it's definitely not a school like LSU. Um, and this pick was interesting just because of Jefferson, you know, being one of the top receivers in the NCAA. Um, it was, I don't know. I just kind of saw that and I was like, huh, okay. You know, may, maybe they, they see something, um, that could fit their offensive scheme that I'm just not seeing. Um, but I still probably would have taken Justin Jefferson, but, um, the Eagles also made an extra interesting decision. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but that's what I'm saying. Um, in the second round, they took Jalen Hurts, um, and it's interesting because even though they do have Carson Wentz, um, Carson Wentz is, you know, a very injury prone. Um, it seems like whenever the Eagles, you know, need Carson Wentz, he just gets hurt. Um, not on purpose, obviously, but he just ends up getting hurt. Um, and Jalen Hurts will be um, a solid backup, but um, they the Eagles did come out and say that they will have Hurts line up in the backfield, um, possibly as like a running back position for Carson Wentz, but it's uh, it's definitely interesting. And uh, Jalen Hurts, at his, in his entire career, he was at Alabama and Oklahoma. Um, he threw three, uh, 682 completions for uh, nearly 10,000 yards um, and 80 touchdowns and 20 interceptions, which is not a bad stat line at all. He was a great player for Oklahoma and Alabama, but he... Uh, He's on the Eagles now, and it's gonna be it's gonna be really odd seeing that um, because I really thought you know he would be obviously not like Joe Burrow, but I thought you know there would be a team that would take him and make him their their starting quarterback. I thought he was gonna go in the first round. I don't know why, but I was just like, yeah, I think Miami's taking him, and they obviously took Tua, but um, I don't know. I don't know what their their like their real plan with him is because you know you can line him up at, at running back, but uh, it's just I don't know. You know, it almost makes you think like if Carson Wentz gets hurt again and he takes a starting spot, you know, do they get rid of Carson Wentz and let another team have him? Um, which you you could do that, um, but you know they got that big ch- contract to follow, so you don't know if um, if any team's even going to want him. But um, our third and final team in the in the draft losses today 
is going to be uh, the Packers. Uh, the Packers went 13-3 and last season, and I think their wins are going to decrease to about 10, uh, maybe 11. And they averaged about 23.5 points uh, per game last year, and I think it's going to drop to like maybe 21, 20 points per game. Um, and the Packers really kind of slapped Aaron Rodgers in the face. Um, and it almost feels like a whole Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers situation again. Um, when Rodgers was drafted the first time around was, um, the Packers seemed to be getting away from Aaron Rodgers. Drafting Jordan Love was a big showing for that. Um, Love finished at Utah State with 8,600 yards on 689 completions and he threw 60 touchdowns. So it's not a solid, or it is a solid stat line. Um, and another interesting pick was their second pick, A.J. Dillon, um, who finished at Boston College with 845 rush attempts, summing up for about uh, 4,300 yards and 38 rushing touchdowns with two receiving touchdowns. Um, these two picks were interesting because they obviously have a Hall of Fame quarterback, or at least I feel is a Hall of Fame quarterback, um, in Aaron Rodgers. Um, I know some people uh, disagree. But um, they drafted Jordan Love, which, you know, Rodgers does need a successor to come up at some point. I don't think Rodgers is quite um, ready or, like, you know, near end of his career. I still think it's another um, maybe four years, maybe. Um, but who knows? That might be enough time in case Rodgers gets hurt, um, gives it enough time for Jordan Love to um you know, train under him and get to learn some stuff under him. But you never know. It could be just like a Roger, a Rogers Favre situation where, you know, Brett Favre, when Aaron Rodgers got drafted, did not want to teach Aaron Rodgers. He did not. He did not. Uh, he said that he, like in his contract, he does not have to help Aaron Rodgers at all. He does not have to teach him anything um, in case the Packers want to get rid of him. And, you know, Favre even came out to say that, that he doesn't believe that uh, Rodgers is going to retire as a Packer um, after the situation. Um, and I don't know, it just seems like it was kind of, it was, it seemed like a slap in the face because, you know, if you try and draft a successor to somebody, you normally don't use your first round draft pick for that. And especially with, um, some of the help that they need, like at wide receiver, they got, they got a bunch of like, uh, mediocre to like maybe a above average wide receivers, but not, um, they don't, don't have that big star. Um, that they may need, but uh, they also need some help on defense. And they took a, they took some defensive players, but um, they also used uh, three of their picks in the sixth round to um, get linemen, three linemen who you know taking linemen that late. Um, typically, they're not going to be um, Hall of Fame esque, or they're not going to be you know super great. And it's more of a project to get them to develop. But yeah, we'll see. And um, they only took one defensive player in the first five rounds of the draft, which it was just so uh, odd. And they took a tight end who was uh, severely un- undersized, as uh, the reports go. Um, and the A.J. Dillon pick at running back was just very odd because Aaron Jones was one of the greatest running backs in the league last year. He was throwing up insane stats. He put up, I think it was four or five touchdowns against my Cowboys in the game, which, you know, screw you, Aaron Jones. I'm just kidding. But um, it's just, it's very odd. You know, you have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Rodgers was a MP- MVP candidate halfway through the season last year. Um, and I think that's when they kind of, he started to get brushed off. Um but he was still in there. He was performing very well, and Aaron Jones was too. And then you draft a quarterback and a running back in the draft, and in your top two picks, it just it doesn't make any sense. Um, I could under I could understand um, if the Packers are trying to use Jordan Love to just have him develop, and then if Roger if they want to get rid of Rogers, like if Rogers starts to fall off because he is getting older, but it's not like he can't do it. Um, 
if uh, you know if they want to put Jordan Love in there and hope that he turns into an Aaron Rodgers esque player, you know if history is just going to repeat itself. Um, you know if Rodgers goes to another team and Jordan Love turns into a quarterback that wins the Super Bowl. I don't know, but um, I don't, I don't know. It's just it's very odd. And if I'm if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm pro- I'm pretty upset. Um, and that actually talking about Aaron Rodgers segues into a couple things. Um, going back to the Patriots, I saw something today. And it could be, you know, just completely out there, you know, not going to happen, zero, one, like, not at all. But I saw two situations that could happen, um, especially with Brett Favre saying that he doesn't think Aaron Rodgers is going to uh, retire as a Packer, is I saw a situation where Aaron Rodgers could sign with the Patriots, which I personally would be, um, would be terrified. Um, Aaron Rodgers is an insanely talented quarterback, I feel. And um, having somebody like Bill Belichick, who's just a great coach, um, I think that could be a really, really dangerous duo. Um, and they do have some young wide receivers, but, you know, you got Mohamed Sanu and Julian Edelman. Um, so it's not like they're completely lost. Um, but if they're going to make the move for somebody like Rodgers, they're going to make it now. Um, and I also saw a situation where um, Rodgers could end up in Chicago, which would be enormous. It would be insane. Because not only would Chicago get revamped, um, but they're also a division rival for the Packers. So I doubt that'll happen. I really doubt it. But, I mean, we've seen it happen before um, with uh, Brett Favre, you know, the uh, Aaron Rodgers mentor. Or not mentor, but he was the, he was the number two to Brett Favre. Um, Brett Favre went to the Vikings and played there for, I, was, I think it was just one season. Um, and it was just like super bad blood. But um, it could happen. It could happen, and Rodgers, I swear, if the Packers get rid of Rodgers and he goes to a division rival, you know, or, you know, they play twice a year against him, I can guarantee you he will get absolute. they will get absolutely torched. And actually, at the time that I'm recording this, I just saw a report that uh, the Bears side, Ten Ginn Jr., who is an older player, but he's a solid wide receiver for every team that he's played on. Um, and I just think, you know, wherever, whatever happens with Aaron Rodgers, um, if he stays in the Packers, I think it's just going to be a rocky season. I think he's going to be very upset. Um, cause it's not like, you know, he's the, the coolest, calmest collected guy ever. Um, you know, outside the locker room, there has been reports of him being, you know, kind of a rude guy, mean guy. Um, but I don't know. I'm not sure how much that'll play into it, but, um, he was definitely, he said that he was definitely upset and, um, he, you know, he feels like he's just been left out to dry and, um, it definitely looked like that. So we'll see what goes on in Green Bay, but it's definitely going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting, um, to say the last or to say the least, but, um, that's going to do, do it for this episode of the podcast of the drafts, winners and losers. Um, I'm heading back to work soon, so I don't know how many more episodes I'm going to be able to get out. I did not get out as nearly as many episodes as I wanted to in this short, uh, time span, but I did get out, I think three now. Um, and I was very happy to do that. So hopefully, you know, um, the world will get back to the way we want it to be. Uh, sports will come back and, you know, we could really have some, uh, content in this podcast. It doesn't just seem like it's, uh, you know, the same thing every other week. Cause you know, it definitely does feel like that these past couple weeks I've had, you know, the winners of each division, the winners of the off season, the winners of free agency, winners of the draft, you know, and it's just, um, it's kind of hard coming up with these topics because there's not, not a lot of sports to um, going on right now. But thank God the draft went on because it actually gave us something to talk about and um, something to kind of express our opinions about. It makes it feel 
feel like everything's a little bit normal again. So hopefully we'll be back soon. And uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And, you know, uh, tune into all my socials um, on Twitter. It's at N-U-T-T-A-H-2-8. Uh, that's Nutta28. And uh, Instagram is Dakota.Nutter. And also there's a Boom Team Podcast Instagram, which is just the Boom Team Podcast, all one word. And um, also follow me on Twitter at N-U-T-T-A-H-2-8. That's Nutta28. Um, thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you guys on the flip side.